Yo, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick. And don't be scared to cast the devil out quick. Cause your obedience will unlock a miracle, though. Don't act hysterical, radical, born again fully. This is the Gospel Unbroken Podcast with Kevin and Alex. Let's awaken the lion. What is up, dude? How's it going, man? It's good, man. It's good. It's been a busy week. Got some good news this week. I passed my uh, fundamentals of surveying test. So um, essentially, just like uh, engineering, uh, fundamentals of engineering, just kind of declaring, hey, I'm going to continue to move forward in this uh, career path and uh, one day become a licensed uh, professional land surveyor in the state of Washington. So it's official. I passed. Um be honest with you, um, I approached this different than the previous time. So the first time I took it, I failed like 60 whatever percent. And I kind of approached it with study, 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 just study, free time, study. And honestly, during that time, I think I kind of like, well, let's just keep it real. I just, I think I kind of just sidebarred my uh, relationship with God during that so to prepare because I, it's it's a very difficult test, and the pass rate is very low. It's not it's not a high one, so it's like, hey, study, 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 sidebar God and my relationship with Him, and failed. And then this time around, I was like, well, you know, I studied a lot the first time. I know a lot of the information, so I'm gonna focus on my relationship with God, study, and focus on my relationship with God, and. I honestly, when I took the test this time, I felt like I failed the test, 100%. I was like, man, I get the email, and I'm like, oh, man, like, I don't even want to open this. Like, this is embarrassing. I failed again. This is the second time I'm going to be a failure again. Open it up, and all it says is passed. That is epic. I, I had to do it. Sorry. Keep All going. good, man. <laughs> All good, brother. And it just worked out. I mean, put God first and he'll, he'll make it happen. So if you're going through something that's very difficult and you got to put a lot of attention to it, don't sidebar God. Keep him up front where he belongs. It works out better that way, even though it may at the time not feel like it. It really does. I mean, honestly, I, I swear to you, I felt deeply saddened as I was preparing to open the email and log into my account and see the, the uh, results. I was like, I just knew it. And then I almost in tears, um, sitting in my work, work van. And I was like, Oh my goodness, man, I, I passed. I finally did it. I, I remember, uh, leading up to that, you talking about it. You could, you could just see the, the stress on your voice and I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. So dude, that's, that's awesome, man. Congrats. Yep. Callie was yep, just man, asking me about that. She goes, when's, when's Alex done with this thing? And I was like, I, th- I think he's done. She goes, did he pass? And I was like, man, I'm a horrible friend. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I pass. It's good. Um, you know, I, I hit up a couple friends and thanked them for what they did. Um, a really good friend of mine, Dan, uh, he helped me out a lot. And he honestly, um, he's, he's over me in the chain at work. And he uh, he put me first and kind of sidebarred a lot of his stuff uh, to help me. And so I told him I appreciate that. That was like the first call I made. I was like, you know, I, I passed. I'm happy. Like I, I texted my wife and was like, hey, I passed. And she was, congratulations. But the first call I, I've made was to him to say thank you for, you know, sacrificing his time for my success. Well, and he, he can relate to to the test to the anguish that goes into it and to all the, the work and the study and the effort. So it's like, yeah, you want to reach out to that person because they, they get it. Yeah, he was like, dude, it's hard. Like, don't feel bad. Like, he was one of the few that was like the first time around passes it. But he was like, it's, it doesn't make it any easier. I just got the, the one I could pass. It's like I could have got the one I could have failed easily. There's eight of them. So, um, so he knows what it's like and everything. But uh, my my desire for this actually pushed him to – go and pursue his professional licensure, which he should have done already. And he says that we talk about it. But he's like, now that having you around and having someone that like 
wants to be so successful in what they do and, and do, be the absolute best um, at what you do, it, it makes me want to be better um, to set a, a better example. So he's taking his sin, so I'll be praying for him to pass it. Um, I know he, I feel like he will. I feel like I know he will um, just because of the way he carries himself. He's always putting everybody else first. And it seems like, you know, for this, I hope, you know, he gets to be first and get that knocked out and continue moving forward and being successful and continue to encourage and mentor young guys like myself. Well, we'll be pulling and praying for him, man, for sure. So I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about me, tell you something. Maybe you know about me, maybe you don't. Um, Some people know, some people don't. I won't go into all the details, but I'll go into some of it, Um, mostly because I think... We're now at the stage where it probably relates to us more as fathers. So um, when I was uh, about 14, I got adopted by a guy that I've known my entire life. So my mom was very poor, uh, so she, and she couldn't really take care of me. I was kind of a wild child, and I didn't really listen to her, right? I didn't have that male figure that was like, you will get it together, and you will act right. Kind of when she said it, I was just like, yeah, okay, cool, whatever, mom. I was a young, rebellious child, like many kids. So this came up, and uh, he took me in. His, his name's Russell. It's funny. We, uh, he has a picture book at his house, and when I moved in with him, he showed it to me. And he has a picture book from 1992. He has pictures of my family, me, friends, all this. Well, October 24th, 1992, he gets a call that I was born. He writes it in this picture book, thinks nothing of it, that it would never mean anything. But man, did it mean something 14 years later when I walked into the house and he shows me this and he's like, I just wrote this down. I don't know why, but you're here now and we're going we're gonna to be successful. Everybody that he knew and that he cared about pretty much told him, you're making a mistake. Don't take this kid. He's too far gone. He's too old. There's no changing him. There's no turning back. There's no turning around. Um, he even had family members that he loved and that supported him. And pretty much almost all the decisions I'd say he's made, they've supported and been there for him. But this was was this one was one that nobody had his back. He's alone. He's doing something that everybody tells him is a mistake. People that knew me for 14 years at that point were like strongly against it. People that knew me well, they were like, no, it's a mistake. But he said, no, I got to do it. Something in his heart moved him. And so he took me in and, um, you know, success came, um, failures came. Success in the Marine Corps was the first thing that came. And that was fast. And it was fun because we would, I would tell him about a column and he would, he would send, you know, some of the folks that had said all these terrible things, he'd send them emails. Hey, Alex has been in Marine Corps for three years, and he's a sergeant now at three years. Obviously, he's doing something right. For somebody that wasn't supposed to be successful, for somebody who was supposed to fail in every aspect of life, he's not failing. He's doing well. So he was proud. And uh, he never gave up on me. So I kind of want to read something from Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So with that being said, it spoke something to me when I read it, right? I'm like, man, if I would have kept on that trajectory and never had that opportunity, I have an older brother who's in prison. I don't think my results would have been much different, but they were, because one person believed in me. One person took a chance on me that nobody else wanted to, and he did it, and it worked, and he gave me structure, loved me, supported me, cared for me, but you know what he did better than anyone in the world? He killed everything that I did that was bad with kindness. And he loved me like his own son. And even to this day when he calls me and tells me he's proud of me, I tear up a little bit. I just can't help it, man. He's been there through everything. Success, failure, shame, fear, 
all of it. Loss of friends, uh, relationships that didn't go well, relationships that went well. He's been there for all of it. And so for me, I look at that now as a father. Like, what do I do? Like, how do I inspire that in my own kids? He inspired it with kindness and with love. He never, he never once laid a hand on me. At times, maybe he probably should have. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was a rebellious kid, <laughs> but he never did that. He loved me. Even when I made mistakes, he loved me. There was a time in that that I uh, made a poor choice and didn't go well with, sit well with members, sit well with members of our, of our church. Um, you know, I was at the time growing up, he, he we were going to church and I'd, uh, became a big influence within our church and I made a I made a mistake and he um supported me through it got me through it supported me through the Marine Corps through everything man so that's 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 my story for today what's what thoughts do you have what questions do you have the first thing that came to mind was was a scripture when you were saying that this came to mind because like like you know my my family is pretty pretty broken i have a very similar um background but i've i've had to use this scripture before and it's from matthew 12 when jesus is preaching and his mother and his brother come to see him and jesus asks who is my mother who are my brothers then he pointed to his disciples and said look these are my mother and brothers Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I, I, th I thought of that, and, you know, I have lost the belief that family is blood. I've lost that. So for me, uh, just my initial thought is it's not shocking to me that, that, that there was a man out there that would do that, but it is shocking to me because there are so many men that go the other way. And so... You know, like you said, what does it look like to be a father? What what does that mean? And I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is presence. Not just presence in the sense of like you're around. You gotta be really present with your children. I think I think that's that's step one because none of the other things can fall into place uh if you're not present. Absolutely. He was present for everything. I could come to him and talk to him about anything. I have friends who, when they make a mistake, the person they're afraid to see most is their dad or the guy who raised them because they don't want to feel the the shame or the disappointment. But for me with him, it was like the first person I wanted to talk to. I wanted to be like, hey, you know, I made a mistake. You know, I I lied. And I'm sorry. And he would just say, it's, it's okay. There were times he wouldn't even ask why. He would just say, it's okay. I'm just glad you're okay. He was there in that, with that presence. That was the presence he brought to me. I'm here for you. I love you. I support you. I got your back. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. You're going to do something wrong. And it's okay. You don't have to feel shameful. You don't have to feel all these terrible things. He was the one I went to when the struggles came. Instead of shying away from of, from fear. So yes, presence is so much. Um, simply being there. Being available. Listening. Uh, he listened a lot more than he would talk at times. Because he took that responsibility as a father very seriously. Uh, he doesn't have any of his own kids. So all of us that he has are adopted kids. You know, kids that he brought in and loved and supported. But you couldn't tell him that they're not his kids. They're his kids. So it, it sounds like a lot of it was almost like what Paul says in uh, 1 Timothy 4. When he says, keep a close watch on how you live. And on your teaching, stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation, 
and the salvation of those who hear you. So, yeah, man, it, it sounds like, you know, he was living out the way in which he believed was for his best salvation. And that was like, that was a, that was a trickle effect down. It was, he was showing you how to live, not telling you, right? Because yeah. you sit here and you don't talk about necessarily the things he said. You're talking about how he was. Yeah. So it's like, it, yeah. he, you know, and that, that can be a lesson for us, right? It's it's not like the old saying of like, do as I say, not as I, not as I do, which is totally wrong. Yeah. Like a kid is not going to do what you say. I mean, sure, they may sometimes. But what they're really doing is they're going to do what you're doing. They want to be you. They're going to act like you. They're, you know, they're, they're little mirrors. So I think like that's a, that's a big thing that as, as fathers, we need to keep in mind that what are we doing? Cause they see us all the time. Kids are a lot smarter than we think. They absorb a lot more than we think. So it sounds like, you know, he was, he was doing it. He was, he was living it. A hundred percent. I could tell you less about what he said and more about what he did. Cause I don't recall every conversation. Right. But I recall conversations like I could give you the title of the conversation and the actions that took place. And it was a lot of, of listening, a lot. Um, and honestly, you know, even facial expressions weren't like, you, what are you doing? It was just like, okay, I got you. It's good. It's all going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Don't stress. Don't fret. You know, um, something, you know, as I've, <clears throat> I've noticed, uh, with my own, my oldest daughter is a few years ago, she probably would have been, she was a little more, more of attitude, but I also had a poor attitude. I was fresh off a of divorce, struggling in life. And now as I've come back to my faith and come back to it, to, to growing and, and knowing uh, Jesus closely. Um, I've seen the change in her. I've seen the kindness. I've seen the, the slow to speak, the slow to anger. I've seen the change. And so it is, they replicate more of what you do than what you say. Yes, they do say phrases that you say. Yes, they do somewhat talk like you. But a lot of it that stands out and that speaks beyond words as we all know is the actions and something else too that really stands out to me um can I, can I say one thing on that real quick yeah hop in so uh, again on the the mirror thing so like my my father was like the, the the complete opposite of what you're explaining right my dad was always angry he was always short-tempered you know he 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 only knew one way to express any emotion, and that was anger. And so, you know, as I got older, I always was, I will never be that. I'll never be my father. I'll never be my dad. Um, and we have two kids. I started noticing I was being very strict. And, you know, not to the point of yelling, but like the littlest things, I would start to get aggravated. And I would be like, stop that. Don't do that. Don't do that, Right. And one day, my wife says, you know, she goes, we have, we have very different parenting styles. And she goes, you know, like, they're, they're just, they're just trying to, they're, they're, they're looking for a reaction, right? And you're giving them a reaction. But what happens when you give them that reaction is now you're going to get the same reaction in return. And, like, I took it to heart, right? And so I, I, I prayed about it, and I started shifting just calm, level across the board, not letting those little things bother me, which takes work on my part. But I saw the total shift in their attitude. They weren't quick to get upset. They weren't quick. They listened better. They, it was just across the board. So it, it was just interesting you saying that. Like it was, it was a full circle moment of like my dad acted a certain way and no matter how hard I tried, I became that. And it, it took a realization and, you know, someone calling me on it to be, to correct it. But he was already shifting down to them and, and I'm glad we changed it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I can say, um, my biological father, he was a, if the bull's coming at you, you hit that bad boy right in the face. Don't turn your back. 
Don't move. Hit him. Yep. My biological father is, um, he put us through a lot. I mean, you know, my memories of him are, I don't recall very many happy ones. Um, they are few and far between. But I remember lots of angry ones. I remember being mad at us. I remember being mad at my mom. I mean, I remember him being abusive and hitting and hurting people. Um, not just us, my family, like people. I remember one of the wildest memories I have of him is going over to another kid that I went to school with's house. And I don't know the whole details of the situation, so I won't even speak to it. But I'll speak to what I saw. So we pull up. Homeboy's holding his baby. And my dad comes up yelling at him. Backhands this dude. And as the dude falls to the ground, he grabs the baby out of his hand. Puts the baby on the ground. It's a toddler. Stands him up on the ground. But he just decked his dad. Like that, that's how I remember him. Mean. Vicious. Cared for me and me only. He was a me, me, me. That's my memory, right? And so, as I'm a young child growing up, right, the things that stand out to me are, I need to care about me. If you don't agree with me, then we can resolve it. One of us is going down. There's only one way we're resolving it, yeah. Yeah. And... And if somebody um, that I care about disagrees with me, I'm gonna lash them with my tongue. I'm gonna I'm gonna light them up with whatever words I can find. I'm gonna hurt you, whether it's physically, mentally, or emotionally. He just he he never set a really good example. You know, he was vicious. The only thing I can think of maybe that was positive in the whole thing was that you weren't messing with his family because he was gonna light you up. Period. Point blank. No questions asked. I have a memory of of him getting into it with a neighbor once. You know, the neighbor pulls a gun on him. And he's like, I'm ready to go, dog. If you are. I'm like, my decision. He's like, my decision's made. Right? So that, up till 14, that is my idea of what my image of a man. My image of what a man is supposed to be. And Russell comes in and just shatters this image of what a man's supposed to be and shows me what a real, true man is. And even as I read my Bible and I learn about God, so much of what I see about God, I look for it in Him. I look for the slow to anger, the slow to speak, all that. I look, I look at it in Him first. That's my example. So much of what I've read about about Jesus and what he and how he was, all that I, I I start to piece it together. And the real, the honest, my honest opinion and conclusion for myself, and this is an opinion, and is that I first saw uh, God the Father in my eyes was through Him. So as a father. I think our kids are the same. They see God the Father and how we treat them and how we treat their mother and how we treat our family, our friends, how we treat situations, right? Good and bad. He was the one who showed me all of that. And so even now, that is my reflection back to my experience with knowing God was seeing it in him first. Not in me. Not in my pastor. Not in my buddies. You know, not in my good, strong Christian friends. Not in my youth pastor. It was in the person that maybe you you didn't think about. But that's where I saw it. And that's where it started to grow and attach and grow in me. So I've been on both sides where it's terrible and where it's amazing. And I'll tell you right now, it's the it's the guy who's present, who shows you, who sh- who really shows you glimpses and little pieces of how our Father in Heaven wants to treat us and how He wants to love us and support us and be there for us. It's not like God's out to hammer you every time you make a mistake. He's just there waiting for you. Come on back. 
I'm here. Arms are open, brother. Come on. I'm waiting for you, son. And that's how I saw it through him. Yeah, and and we want our kids to not only come to us in that way, but come to God in that way too, right? And if if we are saying that, you know, I, I heard this this analogy or I guess you could say it was a quote, but it said scripture teaches that who we are and how we live is like a letter from God. Our kids read that letter every day. So if if they're looking at us, we need to be the closest best we can to be the image of God for them. It's funny, dude, before we, right before we sat down to record this, me and Callie were talking, you know, and she's like, what, what are you guys going to talk about tonight? And I, <coughs> I told her, I said, no, we're going to, I think we're going to, you know, talk about fatherhood and, and what that looks like. And there was a moment that happened this morning in the morning. I'm usually not here, right? I, I get up super early. I leave for work right now. I got training going on. So it's seven days a week. I'm gone before the sun comes up and I get home late. Well, with the clocks changing, Parker wakes up at like 4.30 a.m. And Callie goes, she goes, uh, and, and prior, like normally in the mornings, Parker wants nothing to do with anybody but her mom. Like she wants mom to pick her up. She wants mom to cuddle her. She wants mom to sit her on the couch. She wants mom to sit with her. She wants mom to get her her chocolate milk. It's mom, 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 mom. Well, this morning, she goes, do you want me to go get her? I said, no, I'll go get her. And so I go pick her up. I take her out of bed. You know, she's sometimes she's a little um, vicious in the morning, <laughs> but she, you know, she's three. You can't blame her. But anyway, so she, she, you know, she was in good spirits. So I put her on the couch. I get her chocolate milk, and me and Callie are standing, sitting in the kitchen. Callie's sitting at the you know the bar top area, and I'm standing there getting ready to leave. And Parker walks in, and so Callie's initial physical response is she turns her body and puts her arms out you know because Parker's coming up to tell her that she wants up and Parker walks right past her and comes and stands in front of me and puts her arms up and so I pick her up and she just latches around me right and so I stood there we didn't say a word for like three minutes she you know she leans back she's like do you have to go to work it's like yeah she goes I want you to sit on the couch with me and I said I got five minutes for you. So I go sit with her. So anyway, Callie was, she was like, you know, isn't it funny that that's like, that's a direct representation of God. Because I, me personally, want that so bad for Parker to come to me, for Parker to put her arms up, for her to want me to hold her and cuddle her. And Callie's like, I was thinking like, that is how God feels about us, but tenfold. Just imagine how you feel in that moment. Think about how God feels when we reach our arms out to him. Like, I, I need you. Hold me. And he's like, I got you. Let me come for you. He'll never turn away. I would, I would never tell Parker no. I would never not pick her up. You know what I mean? It got me thinking, like, that's how wonderful our God is. Like, that good. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, tender heart. You know, have a tender heart. Um, but you still have to... St- you still have to maintain some standards. Well, you have to maintain a lot of standards. You're right. We have a lot of standards that we want to hold ourselves to. Um, you know, and the way we treat people and stuff. But with our kids, it's you got to be tender too. Yes, we have standards, but they are not always going to be up to par with them. And we got to be there tender, loving, kind, supportive. And that's what I got. From 14 on to this day, you know, like people ask me about my dad and I reference Russell. He has never once asked me to call him dad. I don't think he ever will. But I do tell him he is a father to me. He is. And when people ask me, that's who I talk about. I don't talk about the 14 years prior. I talk about the 14 years and after. (laughs) You know, um, but he was there. He was supportive. And it's funny. I have the same story with Ava. She um, she brings me like all of her little money out of her jar. I can pay you. You know, and I'm just like, you know, I wish it worked that way, honey. 
I really do. But it's tough because we do have to support our families. We got to get up and get moving. We got things to do. But our kids do. They just want some time. And we got to make sure we give them that time. Um, and that time looks different every day. Every moment it looks different. Sometimes it is sitting on the couch for five minutes. Sometimes it is, you know, just being there. And sometimes it's a big conversation. Sometimes it's a lot of talking. Sometimes it's a lot of action. Playing, having fun, laughing, all that. But it varies, right? Just like you and me, like you and anyone, right? You're sometimes you just need sometimes you just want your buddy to hang out with you and you you don't even really want to talk. Just want him to just be there, like to hang out. So it makes you feel good, like, all right, he's here, he's got my back, he supports me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, same thing with your spouse, right? Like there's a lot of times where at home it it's quiet. And I'm like, I've had the, you know, it'd be said, I just, you know, I didn't know if everything was okay. You're just so quiet. I'm like, I'm so content right now. Like, I'm so good. Like, this is what I want right now. But the, the, the provide thing, like you said, and like being present as, as men, we, you know, it's in our DNA to, to be the provider. And like, that's, you know, I know for me and, and probably I won't say every man, but most men out there, like that's a that's a fine line to walk. It's a, it's a hard struggle between providing and and being present. And I, I read, you know, it was it was a note and it said, you know, for those struggling to find work, don't get down on yourself. This idea is more about your heart and desire. Being a father who provides covers more than rent and food. And it says, as dads, it's our responsibility to make sure our family's needs are addressed across the board. Be encouraged and look for ways to give your family, even when it is hard and it's not always financially. And I think sometimes like we need that reminder that, you know, where we can get so consumed in the financial side of provision, we can totally miss everything else. We can totally miss like you said, the the being present, the kind-hearted, the, you know, whatever it is, the talks, the just being there, but not talking, just being there. And we can miss that. So it's like, how do we, how do we make sure that like we find that balance? You know, I think that's a, that's a common daily struggle for men, especially, you know, they get so consumed by their work when it becomes their identity. Oh yeah. Um, hundred percent. I mean, I've, I've been there, uh, Said a few years ago, it was a lot of struggles, and definitely work was like came first above everything. You weren't active when you had kids, right? Yes. You were active. Yes. Yeah. So see, Ava was born in the midst of me and her mother being active duty service. Yeah, both of you were. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. See, so there's that's like that's to a whole nother extreme, right? Because like whether I want to be present or not, I have to do what this person tells me I have to do. Uh, 16 hour days for about right. a month. Um, that was, it was rough. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was rough. I mean, and you know, she's in the midst of walking, talking, um, kind of coming into her own personality. And I am like not present. You have, you kind of have no clue who your daughter is Yeah. In, in, in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, and same thing for Ava's mom. It's, yeah. You know, I, so like, how do we, how do you think that we as men find that balance? Like, yeah, that's a tough question that, that you know you may not have the answer to because you know I I don't I don't have the answer to it. I have an opinion for it. My opinion was uh, my experience, which is my opinion. I would say In my current work situation. I put my foot down. It's like I'm not working more than eight. That was not taken well. With many, it was taken like, okay, cool, got it. You just want to come in, get your check, and bounce. You know, you're no longer viewed as a team player. Cool. You're not my team. Fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that, yeah, that would be my response. You're not my team then. You know, in a sense, yes, right? And then in another sense, no, because some people supported it. Not everyone. So the ones that supported it, I appreciated. Yes, I still want to be a part of the team, 
but I need you to understand I have a team at home that needs me more than this team. And that's where I drew the line. And some people got it and not, not others didn't, right? And that's okay. And that's okay. Because I've, some of the guys I've worked with that I've talked to, and they're like, dude, I did the same thing. I told them, eight, and I got to go. I got a family to be with. And, yeah, at first it's not taken well. But with time, people become accustomed to it. They're like, okay. Like, you don't just schedule homeboy for a 10 or 12 or weekends. You got to talk to him because if you schedule him for a weekend and he doesn't show up, don't be surprised because he told you. You know, you have to set a boundary. You have to create a, a very, um, obviously it's not a physical book, pretty much a physical boundary a wall like hey bro this is a wall and you ain't getting through it yeah and two i think it has to be your responsibility to to set the standard right like i'm gonna give you eight and i'm gonna give you everything i got for eight and you have to live that out because if if you go in and you kick the can for three hours and then for two hours you do this and then the next you know four hours you're just shooting the smoke with with the homies like they're going to laugh you off when you say I'm only giving you eight. But if, if you can live it out, I'm giving you eight. I'm going to give you everything I got. But at eight o'clock, my, my family needs me and, and I'm out. And, and you're right. I think if you establish that boundary and you back it up with the way you work, your actions, I think that can be received in a more positive manner. Yeah, it just takes time. It takes time because they don't they, – I mean, obviously – I won't say obviously, I'll say my experience was the work load for me didn't change. It, was, it did in what I was able to accomplish in a day because I was I had less hours, right, to, to accomplish it, a multiple tasks. It was like, instead of saying, okay, I'll finish everything that you asked for, even though it's like 10 hours of work, you know, cool, got it done. And now I'm saying, hey, you gave me 10 hours of work, I'm going to do eight of it. And I'm going to have to wrap it up tomorrow. And I'm going to be straight up with you and be clear with you, like where I stand. And it's been taken well because, you know, um, like I said, the guy that um, helped me with my test is also the guy who is um, now I was working with somebody else, but now I'm working with him and he gets it and he understands. And he's like, hey, I know you got stuff going on. And he he doesn't say, I need you to do this. He, he calls me, he's like, hey, can you do this? Like, are you available? Like, is there anything, that, you know, is there any way that I can help? Uh, he's more supportive. You know, he asks questions, can I move it to another day? Could I, like, can I, if I move it like a week, could we get like maybe an extra two hours one day to, you know, wrap all this up? Right, and if you want that to be received well, like you got to have some some flexibility. Like, yeah. yeah, dude, I'll take care of you when I can. Like, but don't expect that I'm going to do that. It was a boundary that he respected. So when he asks, I'll say, yes, I just need some time to kind of figure out how to shift some things around. So for you bosses out there, respect your people. Yeah. Uh, you know, same employees respect your boss. <laughs> it's a two way street. Um, but it's received much better when you treat them the way you want to be treated. Just like right. God says, you know, he says, Hey, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. That's tough. You know, you know I, I was actually going through something with uh, another guy that I really did not like at all. I was very upset. He let me down in some ways. And I was just like, you know, I can't stand you. And I let that eat me up so bad, right? And even I think it would even bleed into my family life, you know, even in conversation with how it was work. I don't want to talk about it. That's not okay. Like, you need to talk to your, your team. Love your team. Support your team. Talk to them. Let them know what's going on. But I was like, no, man, I'm angry. I don't want to talk about it. Had to work with so-and-so. I'm just ticked. And it was tough. But, you know, uh, the other day I was sitting in my in my work truck, and I was when I have opportunities that arise or there's some time that I have to wait for something, I'll read my Bible, and then I'm just like, man. I got to let this go. So I start praying, you know, oh my God, I got to let this go. And I'm so angry about it, right? And I'm praying like angrily, like, oh God, I'm so mad. This is driving me crazy. God, just, can you fix it? Can you fix it? And it's like, 
you know, God gives me every opportunity to fix it in multiple. And I don't, I'm just like mm, angry tick. I don't want to do it that way. Livid. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm going back to the first yeah. example I have of what a man is. It's like, well, you know what? Right. We can resolve this. Like, let's go out back and problem solved. That's not the case, right? Put the gloves on. Let's hash it out and go our separate ways. Yeah. We don't do it that way no more. But I was with time and it did take a lot of time and it's a lot of praying. And I just kind of was like, you know, God, you got it. Like I'm over it. Like I've let it win for too long. And now I need to, to let God win and just be done with it. And that worked out. It just took a lot of time, but I also wouldn't doubt that either one of my children saw that struggle and may have reflected it in their own life in some way. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping that it kills your enemy. Yes. But you drank it. Yeah. And and it, it, it's funny what you were saying about, and it's not funny, but what you were saying about, um, you know, coming home and asking work. I'm like, ah, uh, uh, I am so bad about that. And I, and I do it unintentionally, right? But Callie is so, she's she's so in touch, right? She she always wants to make sure that like I know she's thinking or you know I know she's thinking about me. So every time I walk in the door, she's like, "How's your day? Tell me how it went." And like naturally, you know, by the time I get home, like I could even have like not had a bad day, and I'm like, ah, you know, just playing in the dirt. And she's always, you know, she's always like, "Okay, well, that sounds good." But then, like, when I step back and think about, like, man, she just genuinely wants to know, like, how I'm doing. And, like, like you said, like, I'm letting those things bleed over into the home life. And and the kids see that. Oh, 100% they see it. They saw it. You can't hide it. Yeah, there isn't and, any. There's and, there's nowhere in your home you're safe. Like, yeah. they, they hear everything. They see everything. Like, they're everywhere. 100%. And we have to find out how to not do that. Um, same here, man. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of things I have to work on, but a lot of it is, is just my quick wittedness and like shortness for words, you know, cause women have a lot more words than men. You know, I hear that all the time and I believe it. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm going to try this sometime. I, I knew, a I knew an older gentleman growing up that, Every time he came home from work, he had this little, like right by the numbers on the door, there was a little coat hanger, right? And he would, right before he walked in the door, he would like go through the motion of like hanging a coat on this hook, but he never hung anything on this hook. And I remember one time I asked him, I said, why, what are you doing? Why do you do that? Like, it was this old farm boy. And I said, why do you, why do, you do that? And he said... I got I to gotta put my work jacket out here before I go in the house because I don't take work inside my house. And that was like, that was his m- mental cue to himself, wherever he got it from or however it worked, but that was his mental cue to himself that like, all right, whatever happened today, it stays right here. And he would walk through that door and it was like, none of that stuff happened that day. He could have had the worst day possible. And if you were inside that home, you'd, you'd have never known. Yes, there's good boundaries that you have to set for yourself. It, it, and you should set those types of boundaries in your home. Um, even, I mean, I've, I've met people who, you know, at dinner at their table, they, we do not talk about work. Which I think is a, it's a smart idea. I, it's awesome. I, I, I want to do that. Um, you got to have like that, you know, all right, five minutes. I'm going to give you five minutes. We'll talk about my day. We'll talk about your day. And then it's. It's over. Yeah, you got to have something like that, some kind of boundary. Yeah, where you don't talk about work. Yeah, you do um, because you don't want to carry it. You don't want to walk around with it. Your kids see it. You know, if if that's how we, if we walk around, work is everything. Our kids are going to walk around, work is everything. And it's not. There's so much more to life. And honestly, this last probably year and a half, I've realized so much more of that um, just from the changes of, of seasons that I've gone through in life and things like that. But yeah, you set some good boundaries and kind of, you know, you know, make sure that you, you respect those boundaries. You're the one who sets them. You should respect them. Why are uh, us as men so bad at that? Setting a, we, we will set the bar 
we will set the boundary, we'll set whatever it is, and then we are so bad That's at, at, we, at carrying it out. We're yeah. so bad. Yeah. Anyway. I It's funny, because uh, it's true, and I don't know why we're like that, but it's something we can work on and we can pray about. We can pray about it. 100%. Okay. I, got, I got another question for you. Send it. Um, so, Ephesians 6.4. Okay. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. What does healthy discipline look like in the home of Alex? Ooh. And and here, here would be part two to that question. How different are you and Alyssa when it comes to discipline? Because I think discipline is a huge a huge um, contributing factor to children, to the way they grow up, to the way they act, how they're disciplined, how they, how they become, but it also has a huge effect on the marriage. So uh, I'm, I'm just curious to see what it's like in the home of Alex. Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. I, Even though Ava's perfect, we know. I do not. I do not spank my children. Um, I spanked Ava once, and I've never had to do it again. One, it really, really hurt me. So I totally understand when I hear this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you because it did. I was like, I like couldn't sleep. It bothered me forever. And even to this day, it still bothers me. But I did it once, and I never had to do it again. So what discipline looks like in my house now is more like a conversation. It's more like, do you think that's nice? Do you think that's okay? Um, you know, I say often, like, you know, be nice. Be nice to somebody. Treat them well. Be good to them. They'll be good to you. Um, so discipline has, has definitely taken a huge turn, um, especially discipline for me growing up was, you know, belt to the backside, and it hurt. I used, I may or may not still have a scar bruise or anything else that still exists from some of the beatings. My dad carried around a pair of leather gloves in his back pocket. Ouch. Yeah, there was no belt. There was no spoon. There was there was gloves that he was putting on his hands. Yeah, so, that yeah. was a belt. And so we we don't we don't spank our children either. So I I, I understand. Like I, I if that's what you do, that's cool. I'm not I'm not knocking that. I'm not against but w- it. But we don't we do not do that. I'm 100% like not the, against it. The Marine Corps did teach me pain retains, so like I understand that there's some truth to it. But yeah, here, you know. I would say right. it, it, I am not against it. I am for it. Um, but luckily for me, it was a one-time thing. And after that, m- what I said was more, was worse than what I did. So... Um, now it's a lot easier, I think, for me. It's just a conversation. It's just a talk. It's like, we don't do that. Do you guys have the good cop, bad cop in your house? No. No? No. It's like, it's like if, if mama's mad, you already know daddy's going to be mad. So you don't even have to worry about it. Like, it, it's it's already it's already out there. And, and you know, even um, if I um, maybe take it too far with how I say it, um, uh, Alyssa will will uh, kindly gesture better options, better situ- ways to handle it. Um, but she doesn't go against me, and I don't go against her. I, like what she says, is, is that's it. Because I don't want to... Um, I, I want them to know that, you know, when their time comes and they go and they become their own family, that... They gotta support their spouse. Yeah, I I think I, <clears throat> I think I worded that wrong. I w- I guess I was meaning more. Is there like a, is one of you more of like the soft, comforting one, and then there's the disciplined one? But I wanted to I want to make a point about what you said about how like sometimes, if you'll take it too far, or, you know, you guys will have a conversation or whatever. She'll hey maybe we can handle this better. I think that's a huge thing that fathers need to do that they don't do is humble themselves in front of their children. Like go back, circle around, you know, it doesn't have to be in the moment, but you know, me and Callie, we hash it out and she's like, Hey, you probably like 
that really wasn't that big of a deal. You probably could have done it this way. I think it's a huge humbling moment, especially from fathers to young boys to go back and be like, hey, look, the way I handled that was, was, was incorrect. Like I was wrong. And I think, I think not enough fathers are doing that. Like there's a pride thing. I know with like my dad, he would have never said I was wrong. Like if he was wrong, it just, that's what it was. It happened. It was over. And I think that's a huge thing that children can learn. Like I don't have to be perfect. Like it's okay for me to make mistakes. I'm going to make them, but it's also the right thing to do for me to own up to those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, even now, I, I after something goes down, I, I oftentimes catch myself going and, you know, apologizing and saying, maybe I was a little too too rough. Or, you know, or maybe just like, you know, I, I was a little harsh, but I need you to understand. Yeah. So I've kind of, you know, I do kind of go back on that a lot. I don't just, this is final, and that's it. I kind of, you know, when I feel the need, I'll, I'll turn back and, and go back. Um, but then again, you know, like I'm trying to mirror more of what I know that worked and what worked was the way that I was treated. And, um, he, he never had to come back and apologize because he was never mean. He was too kind. And I mean, he, like I said, he killed everything with kindness and he was dang good at it. Yeah. I, and I think too, for me, like I was, I've been, and, I, and you know, I'm working on it, but I was never good at um, an explanation. Like I didn't wrap my head around the idea of that, like they're children. They don't necessarily understand the meaning behind everything. So like I would, I would discipline them for a certain thing and, and just leave it at that. And, and there would be no context to it. And then it, 30 minutes later, they would do the same thing in, you know, in, in a slightly different manner. And, and Callie had to bring it to light. Like, you know, maybe in their three and five year old brains, they don't connect that this is this and this is, and this is why. And so I had to get a lot better about being like, Hey, we don't do this. And this is why, or that was wrong because and and give them some explanation and I didn't I used to not give them any context it was like don't do that and Theo being the genius little boy that he is he he would always why and like the way he would ask it was kind of like because I said so but in his brain he's like I don't understand why <laughs> you know and, and, and you know and Callie had to come to me and she's like have you ever thought like maybe he just is genuinely asking you the question like why can't I do that not to like not to like be, you know, whatever, talk back to you or, or come back to you. He, maybe he just genuinely doesn't know why he's not allowed to do that. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, kids are awesome. And man, they do hit you with the why. But it's always the way they ask it. And I was like, because I said so, that is why I get away from me. It does, <laughs> you know? I think it does sometimes feel a little condescending when I hear it why i'm like mm. well um i do have said because i said so and i do so i have stood behind that before um i'm not saying that's we the all right have. way we all have and uh just just being honest with you guys like this is a no holds bar like we just we're just gonna talk about it and so yeah i mean i've said it and i'm like i stand behind that before but be ready for the why and you know, prepare yourself for somewhat of an answer. Um, you know, I I don't think you got to explain everything to a kid, but a lot of things, yeah, you do. You just got to kind of. Why don't we hit people? Because uh, one, it's not nice, and two, um, do you want somebody to hit you back? Like, I don't want if you hit somebody and they hit you back, I don't want you to come crying to me talking about it hurt. Well, how do you think they felt? You know what I mean? So when they ask why, I think that's the answer, right? Like. If I hit you, is it going to hurt? Yes. Okay. Well, that's why we don't hit people. What is the root word of discipline? I don't know. Disciple. Mm. Nice. Right? And so Proverbs 13, 24, 
Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. The root word of discipline is disciple. We must disciple our children, right? We must, you know, God calls us to be disciples. We must disciple them in all ways. Scripture says it's careful to discipline them. This is also about proactive leadership in our homes. Like, I never put that together that the root word of discipline is disciple. Like, discipline is teaching. Yeah. It's not punishment. It's teaching. And I always, in my brain, I hear discipline and I think punishment, right? I, oh, I got to discipline him. No, I, can, I need to go disciple my son. Yeah. Um, yeah, teaching. That's funny. Teaching, discipline, discipling. Um, that's it's a good way to think about it. As well as it, it makes sense to me. Like I'm thinking about it. Like, right? I read it and I was like, "Wow." You know, uh, clean your room. <laughs> I'm disciplining you, but I'm also teaching you not to I'm be teaching you know, big. <laughs> I want you to be tidy, at least like respectable. L- listen, you. Ava. If if you're ever listening to this, Ava, someday we're gonna teach you about a white glove inspection. It's it's teaching. I All promise. All the kids will know that it's white important. glove. It's important. Very important. Chinese field day. Oh, boy. I do not miss those <laughs> days. I have thought about it recently. Like, you know what? Actually, I, I've done it in my own home where I've moved everything into, like, another room, cleaned it up, and then put it all back. You sound like my wife. Yeah. I I can't help it. Like, it just, like, like, I can deal with it for, like, a little bit, and then all of a sudden I hit, like, the threshold, and then it's, like, everything goes. Maybe I would, maybe I would be that way, but dude, she's so, she's so good. She's so good about that woman. She'll clean the house all day. Like if she doesn't have nothing to do, like she just does it. She'll be busy and she'll be cleaning the house. So like, I don't even get to the point of being able to do a Chinese field day, but maybe someday I'll teach them. It's nice to have a tidy home. I will say it's, it's awesome. So thank you, honey, for keeping the house clean. Alyssa, Callie, you guys rock. You deserve a uh, round of applause. Okay, so I was reading uh, when you had sent me the text to to give this some thought and read one Timothy. I think you said read one Timothy four. No, I I meant the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I I went back and read the whole thing because that's just how my brain works. I was like, oh, I'm not just gonna read. It. I'm gonna, I'm yeah, gonna go yeah. back and read the whole thing. Yeah. Don't pick little spots because it, it, it yeah. has some uh, controversial words and thoughts in it. Yeah. So. I read this, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 14. I thank Christ Jesus, Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that came from Christ Jesus. And I read that after... You had sent me the text that said you want to talk about fatherhood. Oh, I actually did just send you that, just that portion. Did you? Yes. I I remember now just jogging through my memory here. Yeah. It was just that. And then I, I think I my intention was for you to hopefully go back and read the whole thing. Because um, yeah. that's how my brain works too. Like, all right, I need context. Like, what else is going on? Yeah. So um, I read that and and it like... It dawned on me, right? When he said he's given me the strength to do his work. What was what was the work that we were told to do? The Great Commission. We were to disciple people to be followers of Jesus. How did how did he how does he do that? He gave us children. And then I kept I kept reading. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. God said, you are good enough to teach these small humans to, to follow me. You're good. I trust you, right? And so I keep reading. I persecuted people in his name. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. I didn't grow up in the church. I've been there. But I didn't know anything, right? He had grace. He had grace for me. He said... I mean, I don't care what you did. I trust you. Like, I'm going to put these two perfect little creatures for you to disciple, to teach them. 
I right. once heard a pastor say, you know, children, God has loaned them to you to raise them up. They're not yours. They're his. They're just on loan to you. And then it says, he filled me with faith and love that came from Jesus Christ. Yeah. I have to give them that faith and love. God has appointed me to give that to them. And I think, I think that goes to all fathers, right? I am filling you with love, faith, the spirit. Do not be selfish. Don't keep it. You need to share it. 100%. 100%. Um, they're on loan to you from God, and you need to share him with them. You need to be the example that they need in this world, the light that they will need. Um, you need to be the when something goes down, they don't need to be like, man, I got to go talk to my dad. Maybe some excitement like, yeah, I got to go. I got to go talk to my dad. I'm not doing, I'm not where I need to be. And I know he'll listen to me and I know he'll love me and I know he'll guide me in the right direction. And that's what Russell was for me. It wasn't, oh man, I got to go tell him what I did. It was, oh man, I got to go tell him what I did. Like, I got to get, I got to fix this. And he, and he did, he, he, showed me and taught me so much of what he was for me um is what i'm trying to be for my own kids um, i mean this guy he didn't have any biological kids he's got adopted kids that he love like they were biological kids you wouldn't know the difference i don't think there is a difference if, I'm, if I'm being honest i don't think there is honestly i really don't it's just love right they're kids they need it just right. love them Love them, love them, love them. And that's what he did for me, and it worked. It worked out. He never didn't, he's never not loved me. Even when I made mistakes or did something that I would say is disappointing, he didn't treat me that way. He treated me with like, with love and kindness. And that just was, it was winning in my life. His love and kindness was creating success for me. Because it, at the end of the day, I didn't really care what everybody else thought. I only cared about what he thought, you know. And so it, it definitely, it makes a big difference. So always be there for them. I mean, don't be present. Just be present. Be present. Be present. That is it. If you take nothing else from this conversation, be present with your children. Yes. And I am um, I'm looking forward to our conversation with Mike, Callie's dad. Next week, my father-in-law will be on the podcast. A miraculous man. We, yeah. I can't even do it justice talking about how much I admire that man and how much I look up to him. And I, I've only scratched the surface. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I'm with you, brother. I am so hyped. Mike, we are so ready. Uh, I'm looking forward to really just kind of uh, one picking his brain, you know. Um, For sure. You know, he has amazing kids that he's uh, raised, and uh, God only knows how many kids he's influenced in his career from what he does. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, y you could be the only person that ever shares God with someone, and that could be the moment that changes their entire life. And there's no doubt in my mind that he is that guy to people. Like the, the, there's no doubt in my mind that he's crossed the paths of people that he was the only person that shared God with him. Yeah. And I'm, he is that guy. I'm looking forward to really just talking to him and picking his brain. Um, from what I've gathered so far, he is uh, kind, uh, loving, supportive, um, just a, a all around good father and a great example for other fathers. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it because um, I, I really think that there, a lot of the things in him are going to remind me of what Russell was for me. And just to be able to say, just because they didn't, um, they're not your biological father doesn't mean that they're not your father. Like, they can still be your dad and they can still show you um, what our Father God has in store for us and treat you the way that that God wants to treat you. With lots of love, man. Yes, sir. So on that note, make sure you guys come back next week. Check it out. It's going to be epic.
uh, we're all about scripture here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna close out with a word, and then Alex can close out with a with a prayer, and and we will rock and roll. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Dear God, I want to thank you for this time that you've given us together today. I want to pray for the men out there. I pray that you would help them to be good fathers, Lord God. I pray that you would help them to to teach their children about you, Lord God, to set an example of what it is to be a good father, to love their children, to support them, to help them navigate life. Um, So many times when we go through struggles, we want somebody that we can talk to. And I pray that that their father can be one that they can go and talk to and that they can confide in and grow with and help them through the difficulties of life. I pray that you would awaken the lion within us, Lord God, that you would help us to be better men, men that seek you to honor you and to love you and to share you with everybody. Thank you, God, for all the things that you've done for us, and I pray that you continue to bless us and support us through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, friends, stay bold, stay courageous, stay in the Word. Yeah, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick, and don't be scared to cast the devil out quick, because your obedience will.